positive reinforcement, you're adding something to reinforce the behavior, adding something to keep that behavior happening over and over again. This is the With a Dog Podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and every Wednesday I bring on pet professionals or some fellow dog parents, and we laugh, learn, and commiserate about everything from the confusing vet visits to dog park etiquette to the 2 a.m. potty breaks. Essentially, life with a dog. Hello, my wonderful people with a dog. This episode has been a long time coming. I think I promised to do an episode like this maybe like six months ago. And (laughs) I finally got around to it. I found an amazing guest and I'm just so excited. So basically, this episode is just kind of like the basics of what is positive reinforcement dog training. I've had on many trainers before on previous episodes and many of them were positive reinforcement trainers, but it was always about like a specific topic. And I really wanted to do almost like an informational episode of what exactly does positive reinforcement slash force-free, fear-free training mean? So I ask kind of basic questions, honestly, of what it exactly it means to be a positive reinforcement trainer, what kind of certification do you need, what type of tools do you use, what does it mean, especially, I've referenced it in a few times this episode, but how Dogstagram and just seeing different trainers online and on social media can be so hard to discern like what their bios mean or what they mean by certain certain training terms. So I, I really did. I don't want to be like I dumbed it down because I definitely learned a lot in this episode, but it is more of just kind of like a nice overview. And so I think this is a great episode if maybe your dog is displaying a new behavior and you kind of want to learn, figure out how to go about training them, or maybe you're looking for a specific type of trainer and you're not quite sure what methodology to go with, or maybe if you know someone or you are a new dog parent, this is a great episode to send to them, kind of give like an overview, beginner intro to uh, positive reinforcement training. And as always, my mission on the podcast is to give you all of the information. So I will be covering some different other training methodologies on potentially future episodes with different guests, with different types of trainers. So my mission is always to give you all of the information, you decide what's best for your dog and your lifestyle. But personally, I can say I definitely resonated a lot with what M had to say because as all of you know, I am a very passive dog trainer, a low effort dog mom, and she really validated a lot of my own training ideologies that I didn't even know really fit into positive reinforcement or force fear. It was just like things that I just automatically did as a dog mom. But I like that she gave a little bit more of a definition to those different actions, especially those different actions that we all do as dog parents, you know, like putting up a dog gate so they can't get into the kitchen or something like that. That would be called management, I learned in this episode. So I just think it was so insightful, really great to learn more about this type of training, but then also putting kind of terms and definitions to things that 
we as dog parents already do. So I hope you guys enjoy a little bit more about our guest. M is a fear-free certified animal training professional. She has completed an aggressive dog master course and is a standing member of the Pet Professional Guild and Shock-Free Coalition. Not only is she a certified dog trainer, but she is also the proud parent of three misunderstood mutts, who we will hear about a little bit more in this episode. And aptly named, she's also the owner of her own virtual dog training business called Misunderstood Mutt. All of her info is in the show notes, and and I hope you guys enjoy. So let's welcome Em to the With a Dog podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. This has been an episode I've been wanting to do for a very long time. So just everything that we're going to talk about, I'm I'm very hyped for my own knowledge, like in education, <laughs> <laughs> and then also I think everyone has been also chomping at the bit to learn more about. Um, training and specifically your type of training. So before we get into that, can you briefly introduce yourself uh, and your dogs to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I'm M. Fitzpatrick. I am the owner of Misunderstood Mutt and a new venture with one of my awesome dog trainer friends that I met through Instagram, Logan Bowie, um, called Confident Mutts. And I'm a certified dog trainer working with dog guardians, with reactive dogs and newly adopted dogs helping them create a harmonious life together and create just like a fun training experience. Um, I have three wonderful dogs. We have Goose who came first and he's my big old Sicilian mutt. Then we have Remy who is the beautiful little pity and Jinya who's the most recent addition, which is our tiny little chihuahua who just showed up at our house one day and never left. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. She was just like, I'm part of your life now. I hope you that, that's such yes. a chihuahua thing to do. I feel like <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I'm here. Now serve me. Love yes. me. Um yes, exactly. Those are such good names too for all three of them. I like those. Thank you. So before we talk more about the dogs, mm -hmm. little like dog mom check-in. How are you? How's life? Especially now that Jinya, you know, you added a third one to the pack. Like how are you? Yes. Oh, been better. Um, things are a little chaotic right now, just with having another little tiny thing running around here. Um, have some dogs with some big feelings in this house. I also have a cat named Potato, who I, sorry, Potato, I forget about you often. <laughs> um, she absolutely despises the little Chihuahua and wants her to leave the house immediately. So that's just been a little bit of an obstacle that we've been working through. Slowly but surely, they're going to get there. So it's just been a little bit of chaos. Other than that, life is good. It's sunny outside. It's getting warm. So, you know, we're brushing off the seasonal depression and we're going back to our happy <laughs> go lucky selves for the summertime. Yes. Today it was raining all day yesterday. I'm in Seattle and today it was it's like super sunny and mm -hmm. the dogs are already like outside, you know, in the sun and just yes, being sun, sun dogs. Yes. Um, yes. Where did you say this in your intro? Where are you located? Oh, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. I okay. don't really disclose where I'm from because I work virtually. So I work with people anywhere. So I'm like, where I live doesn't really matter to you. Yeah. It kind of matters <laughs> to me. I don't know. I could live anywhere you want me to live. We can work together. I love the Carolinas. I um 
I lived when I was younger for uh, about four years in to, in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And I just, oh my gosh, I've wanted to go back so much. Like I remember when we moved back to California after that, I was like, I just want to live in the Carolinas again. Like it was like some of my favorite yes. childhood. Yeah. Just like that region. I just, yeah, I love it. It's great. The people here are so nice. I'm sure it's very different from the people in California. Like Everywhere you go here, no one's a stranger. They want to know how you're doing. They want to make sure you're well taken care of. And it's just so nice. Yeah. No, I remember my mom saying that like when we moved there as kids, both of my parents were like, I feel like we have to stop and talk to everyone. Like everyone is like, how are you? And they actually want to know. And like, yeah, I remember there was once my mom, it was like a toll booth operator, like on the freeway or something. And they like actually were like, how are you today? And like having a conversation, my mom was like, that would never happen in California. It was just like, no, pay and go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Yeah. People here are like, please let me let me know how you're doing. Let's talk for 15 minutes and then you can go about your day. That's great. I love that. That's so awesome. Um, yes. Okay. So sunny. At least the sun is out. But otherwise, there's like big feelings and changes happening in the household. Yes. I've started a new segment on the podcast. It's mm-hmm. called a with a dog win. So just like a win you've had concerning life with a dog recently. Do you have any that you can think of? Yeah. So we actually had a big win this morning with Jinya and Potato. So Potato's been at the point now where she's like, if I am in the same room as Jinya, I'm going to like go full murder mode. I'm going to hiss at her. I'm going to growl like this is not okay. And I was able to have them in the same room with Jinya and her little kennel on the totally opposite side. And then Potato was on her cat tree on the other side taking some treats. And she wasn't murder mode. She wasn't hissing. She wasn't growling. And that was like the most progress we've made so far and the biggest win that we've had with the two of them. So that was a really fun thing to happen this morning. That's good. It was probably so de-stressing for you to a certain extent too. Yes. Yeah. Because I, yes, I know that To see feeling. that there is light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you yeah. can't like actually be in the room and relax with everyone. You're just like, you're just on, on edge, yes. like waiting for something to happen. So yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. Um, Okay, well, let's get to know the dogs uh, just a little bit more here. Mm -hmm. We're going to have like a little quick answer round, which might be hard Mm -hmm. since there's three of them, but it'll be good. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we already did their names. What are all their ages? Goose is five. Remy, we believe she's about somewhere in the four to seven range. She was a rescue as an adult, so not really sure. Jinya is about nine months now, and Potato is four. What are their favorite foods? Goose will eat anything. He doesn't care what it is. He wants to eat it. Yeah. (laughs) Remy, her favorite food is vegan feta cheese because she cannot have dairy. That is a nightmare. Yeah. Jinya, also a little little trash panda, will eat anything, doesn't care what it is. You can give her a spinach leaf and she's like, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) And potato, whatever she didn't eat yesterday is her favorite food today. Oh my gosh. You can tell she's the cat of the group. <laughs> like, yes. She's like, she's like I would like if variety. I ate it yesterday, I hate it. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm honestly, like, same. Potato and I are the same. I'm just like, yes. I need variety and I have a very different craving and yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. What about, are they, are they different as far as like clingy or independent? 
you know, like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So Goose is our more independent dog. Like during the day, he'll just go and chill in our bedroom and sleep the whole day. He doesn't have to be in the same room as you. He's good to go at nighttime. He wants to snuggle and be my little spoon, which I love. But he's like the least clingy of all of them. Remy is a stage 10 clinger with me. She's like, I need to be next to you, seeing you, with you at all times of the day. If I can't do that, I'm going to be right outside of the door and I'm going to let you know that I'm not okay with it. (laughs) Virginia also is pretty clingy with me because I have been the provider of all things food for her. So I think she's starting to catch on to that vibe. Um, But she also does enjoy my partner quite a bit. If it's the two of us, she's going to choose me over him. And Potato is a pretty independent cat throughout the day. She'll have moments where she wants to come and snuggle, but she's like, you may not see me for the next 12 hours because I'm off somewhere doing whatever I want to do. Okay. That's good. You got the the kind of like different range of all of them. Yeah. Because if all of them yes. were like ridiculously clingy, it would be... Oh my gosh. I would cry. Yeah. <laughs> it would be too much. Um, okay. Last yes. question. Are they beach or mountain dogs? Oh, they would definitely be mountain dogs. Okay. For sure. They're like, let me frolic through the creeks. I want to run through the trees, jump on trees, rip up sticks. 100% mountain dogs. Okay. My my dogs are the same. Like they, they'll be fine Mm -hmm. on a beach, but it's kind of like they don't know what to do with themselves. Too hot. Yeah, it's too hot. It's just like all sand. They want to like adventure dog mode. Yeah. Yeah. They want to smell the wildlife. Yes. um okay cool well that was our quick answer round about everyone Fun. and let's get into our actual discussion topics today so you told us earlier you are a trainer but i would love to know mm-hmm. one what sparked your interest in it and mm-hmm. then two like how did you decide what type of training you wanted to go into and then what was the certification process like all that kind of stuff yeah so I started my like whole dog career in the vet field. So I was going to school to become a registered vet tech. And I had started working at a local animal hospital in their kennel, working with all of the boarding dogs. And then I completed my certification as a veterinary assistant, which was just basically like the first semester of the vet tech school. And I asked them if I could move up to the treatment area and start working as a vet tech or a vet assistant. Um, So I did that and I quickly realized that I did not want to finish the vet tech school because of many different reasons with the vet field just not being the most sustainable. It's kind of a toxic environment. They work you to death. And at my specific hospital, I really didn't need to finish the school and get that like diploma to be able to do all the things I was doing. I was already assisting in surgeries and monitoring Mm -hmm. patients under anesthesia. And I was running the surgery department and all of that stuff. So I really didn't need that extra thing to go any further. And I then burnt out after about three years of working that job because it is very emotionally taxing, very physically Mm -hmm. taxing because you're just running around all day dealing with clients, animals, and it's just, it's a a very hectic job. So please go and be nice to your vet techs and your veterinarians because their mental health is struggling. I promise you it is. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so once I realized that it wasn't very sustainable, I was like, I just have to get out. Like I need to quit this job. I can't be here anymore. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know it's not this and I'll just figure it out. So I was getting ready to go on my honeymoon after my partner and I got married and I was downloading a bunch of podcasts because I was like, you know, dog training sounds kind of cool. So let's just download some dog training podcasts and just see where this takes us. One of them was um, Victoria Stillwell's podcast talking about her academy. And I was like, hmm, this is kind of interesting. You know, maybe I'll look into this whenever we get home. I'll see if there's something there. Not really knowing that that could even be a thing to like go through a school to become a dog trainer. Like I thought you yeah. just, people just were dog trainers. Didn't know that was, that was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I had like reached out to friends that were training dogs who had not gone through school. And I was like, Hey, how did you get here? And they're like, Oh, just read some books and then just like go train dogs. And I was like, that doesn't really sound good. Like I don't have the knowledge and I don't think I want to take people's money if I don't actually understand like how to train a dog. Yes. And there's so I, I completely agree with you. That's something that I talk about or have kind of like touched on with the podcast too, is like that mentality of of mm -hmm. a lack of certification sometimes in the industry and um and it's not anything like against those people necessarily, but it's like I personally would never want to yeah you know like put myself out there professionally if i didn't know exactly yeah. what i was doing and if there wasn't some kind of like method methodology to it exactly exactly and so i kept looking at the victoria civil academy website i'm pretty sure that i opened it five times a day every day for like two weeks being like is this what i'm going to do like is this my next step this could be it i don't even know what this is going to entail but I feel like if I keep going back to this thing, I should at least just give it a try. So I applied for it. I talked to them on the phone. I got accepted and I started it. And I learned so much and realized that everything that I knew about dog behavior was completely wrong. That all of these things that I had learned through mainstream media and social media and from veterinarians and other people just in general were giving me a lot of really horrible advice that I could have avoided a lot of problems with my own dogs if I would have gone this route a lot sooner. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that I started it then. And I started going through the program, realized that Remy's dog reactivity wasn't because she was a stubborn dog. It was actually because she has all of this fear and a lot of insecurities. And so being through that program helped me to see my dogs in a different way as well and start helping meet their emotional needs and work through all of these different things. Upon completing it, I was like, well, I'm going to work with reactive dogs because this is obviously where I landed in my life and what I'm most passionate about because of my own dogs that I had. So that just kind of kick-started my whole niche of working with reactive dogs. And for some reason, I end up adopting dogs more often than I would like to admit. <laughs> and I was like, well, I have all of this knowledge of adopting all of these dogs throughout the year. So I will go ahead and start working with other people and their newly adopted dogs to help them in a way that I wish I would have had help when I first started my dog adoption journey back when I was 21. Yes, I. OK, I love this whole story 
mainly because <laughs> I'm just picturing you on your honeymoon and your partner just being like, can you put the phone down as you check, <laughs> as you check the website like over and over again for weeks? <laughs> yeah. You're just like, this is my new career. <laughs> I, you're just yes. like checking these boxes of like, got married, check, find a new mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm. check. And um, yes. And then, yeah, going through, it seems like you did a good amount of research which is awesome as far as just like Mm -hmm. the type of training and talking to other people who are trainers of like, what did you do? And, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing maybe some pitfalls that you didn't want to fall into yourself and like how to move forward. And um, I like how you said how you've adopted quite a few dogs and you wanted to help other people who adopt dogs too, because I, my, um, career path has been like through the vet industry but then also I was at a animal shelter for a few years and that I feel like is a really big part of why people don't want to adopt um especially Mm -hmm. if it's like a middle-aged dog or something or you know past the puppy years because they just think that the dog is going to come with a ton of behavioral issues and sometimes they do but I think that's such like a limiting fear for a lot of people so the fact that you're like actively helping with that specifically I think is so awesome yeah it is a huge fear um I wish I would have had that fear back when I first started adopting dogs because I was 21 years old fearless and was like every dog is perfect every dog loves every dog and every person and no dogs have any issues my partner and I adopted our first dog when he was stationed in Sicily and when we brought her home we took her to the vet and she ended up being really really sick and didn't make it very long with us because of how sick she was and just like couldn't recover from it became neurologic. And I was like, okay, this is great. This is my first experience adopting a dog as an adult. And she's super sick. This is fun. I'm going to use this in my vet career. This is going to be what puts me out there in the vet field to help people in that sense. Mm -hmm. And then we adopted Goose after that, brought him back here And he is just scared of new things, new changes in his environment, new people, things like that. And I helped him a little bit with his behavior, but he's just kind of a dog who likes being a hermit. So we just let him be him. Then we adopt Remy and I'm like, oh, she was in a kennel with another dog. She's going to love dogs. This is going to be fine. Bring her home and she immediately tries to attack Goose. And I'm like, Okay, cool. This is really, (laughs) this is a really fun experience. (laughs) So she is what brought me into the training world because I was like, well, now I have this behavioral issue. I have this dog that I didn't think was possible to have. So what am I going to do about it? Luckily, her and Goose are the best of friends. They love each other, pretty much fell in love with one another after about a week. And they've been inseparable since. But just going on that journey really helped me to see that that does exist in these adopted dogs and that there are ways to kind of prevent it from becoming what it was with her. Yeah. Okay. First of all, yes, getting a dog at 21 and that I I got my first guy at 23 and I had already been kind of working in the pet industry and I did the like opposite. I was like, I'm going to get the dog with the biggest issues ever because I can handle it. And I was like, what? Like, I mean, obviously, you know, it led me down to the path I am now, just like, you know, Remy and Ghost did with you. But, um, but yeah, just thinking back to what were we doing? Like everyone, like it was actually like manageable, like it it turned out okay. But like all of, I just remember (laughs) my parents and my in-laws and everyone was just like, 
the dog doesn't like you. Like, why are you doing this? And <laughs> so anyway, um, yep. he is. Yeah, he likes everyone now and he's fine. But um, but yeah, it was like a long road. And honestly, we probably should have consulted a trainer and looked into a few mm-hmm. other things. I think it would have sped along his progress a little bit better. So yeah. speaking of trainer life. The methodology that you follow is like force free, and mm-hmm. what is R plus training? Like, can you tell me like what both of those mean? Because I feel like I see it on a lot of people's yeah. like websites or Instagram bios, but like, what does that mean? I guess in the training world. Yeah. So R plus is like the scientific abbreviation for positive reinforcement. So when you think of behavior, you have these four quadrants. You have positive reinforcement, and then positive punishment, negative reinforcement, negative punishment. So what it essentially is, is for positive reinforcement, you're adding something to reinforce the behavior, adding something to keep that behavior happening over and over again. If you add something and the behavior doesn't continue to happen, then you're not actually reinforcing that behavior. So it's like positive punishment. What you're doing is you're adding something to decrease the likelihood of that behavior happening. So like a correction on a prong collar for a dog pulling, you're adding that correction to decrease the dog pulling. But if you look at it from a positive reinforcement stance and you have a dog pulling and you add a treat when they are in that loose leash kind of area by you, you add a treat to reinforce the likelihood of them walking with that loose leash. So there's like the the two sides of the equation there. What R plus trainers are basically saying is they're a positive reinforcement trainer that utilizes positive reinforcement methods, force-free methods, just anything that doesn't require you to use a physical punishment any sort of correction, you're wanting to set the dog up for success using management to prevent the behaviors from happening, and then using things that that dog finds reinforcing like food, toys, play, praise, to increase the likelihood of those behaviors that we want to see more of. So we're just like, you know, cookie cookie pushers over here. We're just throwing (laughs) treats at dogs to get them to do the things we want. Okay. Someone needs to do that to me. Um, <laughs> if I'm just same, <laughs> give me a yeah. cookie every time I do something good. Exactly. So that makes a lot of sense. I have heard of the like four mm-hmm. co- quadrants before, but the way that you explained it was was nice with like real life examples. Um, so I guess my question right off the bat is like, where does it end? Like your dog's not barking, so are you mm-hmm. just like constantly giving them treats, or they're not pulling? Are you just constantly giving them treats? You know, like how do you? Yeah. How do you make sure they know that it's like that specific behavior is what you want them to continue doing? Yeah. So we use this thing called a marker. You can use a clicker or you can use a marker word like yes. So what that does is when your dog is in the position that you like for them to be in. So another example, loose leash walking. So you're walking down the street with your dog. They're walking beautifully by your side or just with a nice loose leash. You mark that moment with something like a yes or a clicker so they know, oh, this that I'm doing right here is what is giving me that treat. Because as soon as you mark it, you give them that treat and they know, I did this. This is when I got the marker. I got the treat. That's how you show them what it is that you're wanting. And then once they get a few repetitions of you marked 
that behavior, you give a treat, then they'll start to be like, I'm going to try to do that thing again. So I can see if I can get another one of those treats. So essentially, they're anticipating the reward. So they're going to do the thing that got the reward. And you build those strong behaviors by doing a lot of repetitions in a short amount of time, like two to three minutes max. And then you take a break and you let them just kind of go be a dog for a little while. Let them go play. Let them go sniff. Let them go run. And then you just do that every day for a couple weeks. And then you will see this amazing behavior change. And you want to keep reinforcing that behavior gradually, but you won't have to reinforce it as much as you did in the beginning. Okay. You know what? As you were saying that, I just realized that I think I've been doing that with my dog, Albus. He and I have been running together and mm-hmm. um, and I'm following like a running app where it's like run for two minutes, walk for one, and it you know gradually builds yeah. up. And that's how I've been training him to run with me is that like we work, you know, we run for two minutes and then for the time off, he can like sniff and do whatever he wants. And then like we go back to it and then I give him like treats and I say, good job and stuff. Like, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Okay. That was a good example. So back to (laughs) what you were saying. Um, So in this situation, if you, do you just, so you never acknowledge what the quote unquote bad thing is that they're doing. Like if they pee inside or they pull Mm -hmm. or something like Mm -hmm. that, do you just like Mm -hmm. ignore it basically? And then just focus more on like whatever the opposite thing is. So when they go potty outside Mm -hmm. or when they do the, the nice loose leash walking. Yeah. So not necessarily ignore it, but we use things like management to try to prevent that from even happening. So for example, pottying in the house, when you have a dog that you're first starting to potty train, When you can't supervise them, you have them in a crate or in a pen with a pee pad. So they can pee on the pee pad. That is a form of management. So they can't pee in the house and then get upset and not be able to go outside. Or you can tether them to you. This is a really great way to set puppies up for success is you just keep that puppy tethered to you 24-7 pretty much. And you know if they start sniffing around, then they need to go to the bathroom. Because they're tethered to you, they can't sneak off and go pee in the house when you're not looking. So you notice those signs. You take them out to go to the bathroom. As soon as they go to the bathroom out there, you tell them, yes, good job. Here's your treat. Play for a little bit outside. Then you get to bring them back in and then just continue repeating that over and over again until they can reliably be house trained. Um, For loose leash walking, a good management option is to just increase your leash length. So I like to use 15, 20, 30 foot long lines. Take your dog out to a big field, let them run around and play and sniff, get their needs met first, get their energy out. And then at the end, focus on a fun loose leash walking session. So anytime that they're walking near you, just go ahead and offer them those rewards, those treats. You can even play with them. You can use sniffing as a reinforcement. They're walking next to you. You tell them, yes, I like that. Here, go sniff this thing over there. And that way, it's not as stressful. They're not dragging you down the street. They get their needs met first. And then you can teach them that behavior that you really like. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I feel like this is what Mm -hmm. a lot of dog parents probably do inadvertently. But then it's just they do that, as I said, like, quote, unquote, bad thing. And, Mm -hmm. And there's just that urge that I'm sure every dog parent has had out there of just like yelling like no or you know like what did you do you ate all the trash like whatever it is and and so it's really it sounds like it's about 
managing those like bad yeah. behaviors just as much as it's reinforcing the positive ones. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You want to set your dog up for success. You want to make it to where they cannot perform the unwanted behavior. So if your dog gets into the trash, get a locking trash can so that they can't perform that behavior. Put a gate around it, put it in a closet, something like that. If your dog is a door dasher, put some baby gates up so that they can't get to that door while you're teaching them to wait at the door. If your dog barks out the window, put up some window film so that they can't see out the window while you're teaching them a different behavior that you would like for them to do. That is so helpful. Just I'm, I'm like processing it all in my brain here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I Anyone who listens to the podcast knows that I'm like not... I don't love training my dogs. Like it's not, I, I've done a lot of I don't either. training. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Like, <laughs> thank you for saying this. I don't, I'm going to be honest. Why do you not enjoy training your dogs? So it's not necessarily that I don't enjoy training my dogs because it can be really fun. It's yeah. more so I have three dogs. It's exhausting sometimes. I am my own human being that has a job where I am coaching people through training their dogs. And then I also want to go and do activities for myself. Some days I literally just don't have the energy for it. And it's like the last thing on my mind. So what I prefer to do is passively train them. So I set up treat stations around my house. If I get to the treat station, I'll grab a couple of treats out, ask my dogs for some fun behaviors, give them the treats, do that for a couple minutes, and then we're done. I'm never really going to set up a training session every single day for my dog because that's not realistic for me. I'm tired. I have too many other things and it can, I have ADHD. Okay. I just yeah. can't do it. <laughs> me too. Oh my gosh. This is, this is it. Yeah. Yes. Maybe, maybe that's the common I denominator. Don't know how to, <laughs> yes. I don't know how to keep a consistent habit. Okay. Let's just be realistic on who we are as individuals. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I loved what you said though about the treat stations around the house. Because that mm -hmm. is like if I if I have something just like next to me, I'll implement like I'll do it like mm -hmm. really quick or something. Yes. Oh my god, I'm gonna put treats in like strategic places around the house yes. now. This is yes. this is so smart. Um yes, <laughs> I agree. Like the passive training is something that I find myself doing a lot because it's just mm -hmm. built in so much more. Like that's what I did with my oldest dog with his recall is just you mm -hmm. know, we were out at a big park and he had the long leash on and I was just like, come back. Here's your treat. Like, it, but it wasn't like it yeah. wasn't fixed in my mind. Like this is a training session. It was just like, yeah, it was just so passively done. And that is something that I've kind of talked about before on the podcast of like that just it works so much better for me. Yes. And I find that I feel like the force free and positive reinforcement works very well with the passive too because you're just mm -hmm. as long as you have those mm -hmm. treats with you you're just kind of like passively as you said like cookie pusher just yeah you're just yeah. implementing it yeah um so if anyone else identifies with us on that maybe this is the route <laughs> that you can go um yes so speaking of this is like one other instance that i thought of dogs or puppies who maybe are like super mouthy or pulling mm -hmm ripping up their toys, you know, like that kind of thing when they get in that crazy puppy mode. How do you mm -hmm. manage that and then positively reinforce? Like, I guess it's like when when the behavior is something a little bit more like intricate, that's like, it's not mm -hmm. like this is the opposite. You know, like, how do, how do you, I guess, like, mm -hmm. 
do those kind of situations? Yeah. So if a dog is being more mouthy than usual or getting over aroused, you know, getting more stressed, more excited, the first thing I would do is look at if their needs had been met that day. So if your dog's needs aren't being met, they're going to meet them on their own. Whether you like it or not, they don't know right from wrong. They don't know that that toy was $15 and that they're not supposed to shred it. They're a dog, they have needs, and they're going to meet them. So if your dog is being a lot more mouthy than usual, take a look and see when the last time they took a nap was. They may be overtired and getting a little overstimulated and cranky, so they may need to go and take a nap. See um, if they're like ripping up your couch or something. Give them something else to shred to meet that need. So fill some cardboard boxes with some kibble. Let them shred that so that they can get that need met in a different way that is more um, appropriate for them. If they're barking excessively, have they gone for a walk that day? Have they had their exercise needs met? So a lot of it goes back to just looking at, has your dog had all of their needs met for that day? If they haven't, let's try to meet their needs first. And then let's give them an appropriate activity to engage in, like a bully stick to chew on or a frozen Kong to lick or a cardboard box to shred or go snuffle in the grass with some kibbles tossed in it or go for a walk on a long line. Let them sniff and run and play and explore. Then come home, see how they're doing then if they can relax and are a different dog. Yes. Okay. You were laying this out so well. So it's like, are their needs met and then also managing the you know unwanted behavior and then also mm-hmm. positively reinforcing so it's, it seems like it's like those yes. three kind of aspects slash process to go through yes when when yes. doing the okay um so on that note you mentioned um like a clicker you know for a marker or mm-hmm. something that i've noticed where people have kind of referred to in training is like using tools or not. What does mm-hmm. that exactly mean? Like, like you know, there's muzzles. You mentioned prong collar earlier for like a different type mm-hmm. of training. You know, what is – so does force-free and positive reinforcement still use certain tools? And like if so, how do they implement them? Yeah. So every trainer, any training that you do is always going to utilize tools. So tools are literally just anything that you use to train your dog, work with your dog. A lot of tools that you'll see force-free trainers use are clickers, a treat pouch with treats, muzzles, long leashes, and harnesses. Um, Enrichment toys are also considered a tool, so like a snuffle mat. Baby gates are a really great tool to help with management. Crates and X-Pens are great tools for integrating new dogs into your house. Um, honestly, anything can really be a tool if you use it to help with your training process. My favorite tools are my treat pouch. I usually have it on me 24-7 now that we have an extra little addition. I like to be able to redirect and reinforce as much as I possibly can. Muzzles are my second favorite tool because they're great to use for safety. And then harnesses and long lines are my last favorite because I use them every time that I walk my dogs. It just makes the walk so much more enjoyable. Clickers I don't use as often just because I do lose them and I kind of forget that they exist. So I prefer to use a verbal marker because it's built into me. So it's always there. 
Um, and when you have multiple dogs, sometimes the clicker, I just feel like makes it a little too chaotic. Um, but then tools that I personally will never use with dogs that some people do use are things like a prong collar, an e-collar, a choke chain, a slip lead, um, like the spray cans, the pet corrector cans, penny cans, anything like that, scat mats, invisible fences. Those are things that can have, you know, detrimental effects to your dog's mental health. So it's not something that I am cool with using. Thank you for answering that because I feel like Instagram, like dogstagram, and then seeing all the trainers on there, it can get so confusing, especially when you add in like Mm -hmm. Facebook and comments that people make and all that stuff of, you know, some people are like, you can't use tools and like only negative reinforcement trainers use tools and like all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. And, um, and so it sounds like a tool is just like really anything you use to help with the training, but it's just how that tool is used. Like, yeah. Okay, so it's just it's like if it's mm-hmm. you know causing some kind of negative reaction to the dog or like forcing forcing like a negative like a negative emotional response. Thank you. That is it. Yes. So if it's forcing <laughs> like a negative uh, emotional response or something like that, then that's when it leads into an entirely different type of training that, as you said, that you're not interested in. Um, and yeah. that does isn't in the like force free and positive reinforcement field. So, yeah. okay, I think that that helps so much, I think, with just understanding the ins and outs of all of that. Um, I have la- a few last little, like, detail questions about specifically force-free and, and positive reinforcement training. So what if the dog is not food-motivated at all? Yeah. So every dog technically is food-motivated because they have to eat at some point to survive. So you have to just find the foods that they do like. Some people will say to withhold their meals just to build that food drive. I say don't do that because it's kind of cool. If someone did that to me, they withheld my meals just so that I would take a snack from them at a certain time of the day when they wanted me to. I would be pretty emotionally imbalanced. So (laughs) (laughs) there are other ways around that. You can try different foods. You can try a variety get really stinky foods. You can use like salmon and tuna and cheese. And I would try as many foods as you can first before saying, oh, my dog just is not food motivated whatsoever. But if they really don't like any food or don't want to work for food, a lot of dogs will work for toys. So a fun play session like tug or playing with a ball or even sniffing. So if you're out on a walk, sniffing is a great reinforcer using those real life reinforcers having access to the outside is a reinforcer. So if your dog sits and waits nicely at the door, their reward can be getting to go outside. So that will help reinforce that behavior. So when you think of this positive reinforcement training, it's not always just around food. Food is just the easiest way to go about reinforcing a behavior because most dogs are food motivated. But there are so many other things like play, like toys, like sniffing running, jumping, playing in a creek, chasing a water hose, whatever it is your dog likes, use that to your advantage. All right. Yes. I think that makes a lot of sense. My example earlier of when I was, when I'm running with Albie and he gets the Mm -hmm. like 
he has that little time afterward like in the interval to to just do whatever and Mm -hmm. i always give him like the good boy or like whatever and yeah and he he likes that like he's so eager to please and he knows he knows the word markers of me just being like yes good boy and he's like okay yay i'm doing the right thing (laughs) and and you can just tell like even in his stride he's just like he like picks up the pace a little bit and i'm like so confident yeah exactly (laughs) um the last questions that i have is i guess what are some of the common misconceptions about force-free mm-hmm. positive reinforcement training of that either you see online or that people present to you at you know as I've already displayed mm-hmm. in this interview I'm just like so confused obviously I've googled and and everything but having it verbally explained is a lot better and there are just so yeah. many yeah. misconceptions out there so what do you come across the most do you think yeah um there's a lot of really funny ones out there. <laughs> um, a lot of people say that force-free trainers pretty much just like throw treats at any problem behavior and can't fix anything like aggression. I don't know why that's not true because food is really an important tool when you are working through things like aggression. So what you're doing is you're changing how that dog emotionally responds to whatever triggers that aggressive response. So food counter conditions that. So you pair the scary thing with something really delicious like food, and you're literally going to make that dog want to see the scary thing because they're going to get their favorite treat. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that people say is that you can't treat behavioral issues with positive reinforcement. However, you can, you can do it really well and you're going to have longer sustainable results um another thing is that just they say positive reinforcement trainers are super permissive and just like let dogs just run chaos and they have no rules and they're just like taking over the world and that's not true these dogs also have to have boundaries that's why we use management to implement Mm -hmm. the boundaries and we teach them what we want them to see we just don't let them do the bad behaviors quote-unquote bad behaviors that we don't want to see because we manage the environment and just prevent them from happening. However, Mm -hmm. I will say my dogs are sometimes chaos and I just let them be dogs and let them be chaos because that's what makes them happy. And it's what makes me happy. And I like that relationship that we have together to be goofy and silly and chaotic. And if that's what you want to do with your dog, whether you're a trainer of any sort, whether you are a dog parent using any sort of methods, then just do it. Just have fun with your dog. It doesn't matter. Um, you are speaking my language. Thank you. Have validated so much about me as a dog mom, <laughs> just in in that yes. last response, because that's what I do with my boys. Like they they have boundaries. They know what we need of them in certain ways, and we have mm-hmm. dog gates. If you know, if I don't want to be tripping over them in the kitchen or like whatever, but mm-hmm. otherwise, sometimes it is like chaos, and and I'm like okay with that. But then I feel like a lot yeah. of times, yeah, like someone else will see that and just be like, oh, the dog's really just not trained. And I'm like, but it's inside my own home mm-hmm. and I'm OK with them mm-hmm. displaying that behavior. It's not affecting anyone. You know, it's just I don't know. Exactly. You, you validated me <laughs> and my like <laughs> yes. low yes. effort dog mom, low training lifestyle. And yes. um, yeah, I've I've trained them for the things that I want them to do, um, like sleeping in. And that's what what matters. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Okay. You have given us so much info. 
I feel like I understand multiple types of training a lot more now, but especially, mm-hmm. of course, like the positive reinforcement. And hopefully everyone listening feels a lot more armed with like the right information to make the right decisions for their mm-hmm. dogs as well. Um, just to wrap up, since this is the With a Dog podcast, I'm going to ask, why do you choose life with a dog? That is a great question. Um, probably because dogs are always just so loving unconditionally. And it's like, no matter what you do, they're still going to be your best friend at the end of the day. And that's my favorite thing is just to be able to bond with these incredible creatures that have such brilliant minds. And it's like a bond I've never had with any living being before. So it's just like, you know, they make life fun, they make life happy, and they give me a reason to wake up every day. Love it. Perfect response. A bond like no other. And yes. I, I agree with that yes. for sure. All right. Well, if anyone wants to find you and maybe book a session mm-hmm. or learn more from you, where can they do that? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Misunderstood Mutt and at Confident Mutts. And then if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, misunderstoodmutt.com, fill out a training inquiry form, and we will get in touch with you. Perfect. All right. And then everyone, if you want to follow the podcast, it's at With a Dog Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, With a Dog Pod on TikTok. And we have new episodes every Wednesday. Give us a good review if you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Em. Bye. Thank you. All content on the With a Dog podcast is for informational and comedic purposes only. It should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.